interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. It's June 30th, and that means we're in the summer blockbuster here in Dallas, Texas, where it's scorching hot. So scorching hot, I think it might bring alive some creatures from the past. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the other host with the most, the man who I like to study dinosaurs with, Preston Barta. How are you? Hello. Dino-sized hello back at you. Dino-sized, yes. You know what? You know what, Preston? I'm sure you already know this, but June 11th, 1993, cinematic world was changed because why? The One of the, the greatest movie ever made came out. The greatest <laughs> movie ever made came out. What is that movie? 1993's Jurassic Park. Oh my goodness. Jurassic Park released June 11th, 1993. Directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Michael Crichton, based on his 1990 book, Jurassic Park. Also screenplay by David Kep, produced by Kathleen Kennedy and starring, you know, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Richard Attenborough, B.D. Wong, Sam Jackson, Wayne Knight, Joseph Mazzalo, and Ariana Richards. Cinematography by Dean Kundi, and of course, music by John Williams. I mean, this movie was destined for greatness. It cost about $63 million to make, and then it was number one in the box office for many weeks. Uh, it made over a billion dollars and has spawned cartoons, movies, remakes, merchandising. It's crazy. Even theme parks. People are still on the dinosaur craze. Uh, and here on My Bloody Podcast, Jurassic Park is a horror movie. Like, it is... It's a lot of movies, but at its core, it is a horror movie. Uh, and we can't wait to talk about it because it's one of my favorite movies. I believe it is Preston's favorite movie of all time, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I have a lot of favorite movies. I know we've talked about Dazed and Confused on other podcasts, and I'm a big Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban nut. But if there's just few films that I can put on that every time I watch it, I just feel this magic within me like this feeling of just i could watch this movie on a continuous loop and never get tired of it so i no other film kind of produces that same kind of magic i would say azkaban and that one i could watch on a on a loop on a loop and it's kind of like anytime you're scrolling through cable or channels and you see jurassic park on you kind of got to watch the whole thing no matter where it starts or where it is i would with jurassic park i think i would choose the option of oh well it, this is halfway through i'm gonna have to go get my copy and start it over from the beginning <laughs> restart um, shawshank and green mile are ones where i can just watch it wherever it's at okay all right so 
Jurassic Park, um, June 1993. I was 11 years old. And uh, this is Jurassic Park is still the movie I've seen most in the theater in its initial run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think I was it nine or 11 times. Never forget. Uh, it was a lot. I went to see it with friends. I went to see it with my parents. But it was it, there was something so magical about Jurassic Park that you know, dinosaurs are real now. And of course, B- Spielberg being Spielberg just made it so great. And I, I, I mean, I went to see it like two or three times a week. Like, it was crazy. Um, yeah. And this was back before stadium seating really was a thing. It was, you know, just like flat row seats. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was great. And I remember going in and I was real excited uh and i just fell in love with it and i just could not wait to see it again and again and bring friends to see it that hasn't seen it and it just yeah. it never got old i always loved it so preston uh you're a little bit younger than i was but do you yeah. remember first seeing it oh absolutely it it was uh, i've probably mentioned this countless times on here but it was the first movie i saw in the theaters i was 3 when it came out, <laughs> my parents took me to go see it. And I remember sitting in the theater watching it with them. I think we went to a matinee on the day that it opened. And there may have been like maybe two other people that were in the screen because it was like the earliest one. And my parents were sitting in the, we saw it at the Golden Triangle Mall in Denton, Texas. And it was exactly as you just described with like those same level seats the entire way and so my parents were sitting toward the back and I kept moving toward the front I was sitting on the front row by myself and every time some dinosaur attack happened I would run back to my parents and go did you see that (laughs) especially during the t-rex part of it Um, so I I was already like every kid um, my son who's here listening with us he's every kid like falls in love with dinosaurs when they they're they're interested in it there are all these books there's coloring books there's we're just so fascinated by uh this life and uh that once existed and to see a movie like that it totally it just ignited my passion and i still as a 33 year old now that we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of this i'm I'm loving all the documentaries that are coming out about it. And uh, there's the prehistoric planet on Apple TV and I watch it with my son and we can watch Jurassic Park, the original uh, countless times over um, and and never get tired of it. And so I, I, I just adore this movie so incredibly much. And I'm very excited to talk about some of the details of why it remains so special after 30 years. It, no, I and you say that thirty years. I cannot believe it's been thirty years. Where is the time gone, Preston? Yeah, I'm an old man. Well, I'm a middle aged man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't act like it though. But Jurassic no. Park. It's um, I remember you know right after this was released. I think within the year, uh, they had a touring show where a lot of the props and animatronics were in the cars and everything was put at the museums and you can go do stuff right 
Were, were you there? Did you go to that? Oh, yeah. I was in Fort Worth. Okay. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. So it was in Fort Worth. I kept thinking it was in Dallas. So I have, I've been asking my parents for years now to, that I need to go over to their house and go through their photos because there, there's a couple of photos of me uh, at that event. And that's one of my most special memories of going to that and seeing the truck and seeing uh, all the animatronics that they used. It was incredible and so uh i need to find it especially before the this this year is up just so i can post it so mark my words i'm gonna go over to my parents and find it yeah do that uh because i remember going there and i remember they had like this big big sand pit and you actually got to like search for like the bones and uncover yeah. them and like that was so cool and then seeing the cars and like the inflated and deflated animatronics. And like, it was just it's like, oh, this is like movie making. And I think maybe, you know, this was before I saw Army of Darkness, but, uh, or maybe right around the same time. But I remember it's like, oh man, this is movies. Like I want to be part of movies now. Yeah. Did you go to the Jurassic World uh, exhibition thing that they had in the colony in, in Texas? I don't remember doing that. No, it came. What was it? It was right. It must have been 2021 because we, we wore masks and everything. And so they did a big thing in the colony a couple of years ago or last year, year before, um, where they they had animatronic dinosaurs. They made it like a whole thing where it felt like you were going on a boat. They did like a virtual screening where they, they mixed Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. So unfortunately, you had a little bit of world stuff in there, um, but it was still very cool to see. And so, yeah, it, you, you would step in, you get your picture taken, you go on this uh, boat that had these screens that made it look like you were actually on a boat and it would move up and down. And so it would, you'd be in this holding area and they'd give you information about what's going to happen for the rest of it. And it legit felt like you were to him. He thought they were real, my son. And so we get off the boat, we get there, we get to see them in like raptors, like baby raptors and the, the, the egg the whole and everything like that. It was so cool. And then, uh, you, you go through the doors, the doors would open for you. You see the truck, you'd see uh, the brachiosauruses and then you go to this raptor area and then things starts going haywire. They had the T-Rex close it all out and then they had the Adonis Rex and it looked real. Like they put a lot of, a lot of money into making it look authentic. Um, so that, that was uh, very special because it took me back to go into that experience. And yeah, they had a whole area just like what you were describing with what we had when we were younger, um, a whole area that was a sand pit and you would dig for the dinosaur bones and things like that. So it was cool. I, I'm glad they do this sort of thing. Cause that's, that's, that's the specialness of it is that sense of wonder of watching, especially this first one all throughout the movie, even though yes, things get horrific but it just really does a great job that the other films didn't really ever capture again uh, outside like a few moments of just that sense of awe. Like when you first see the, the Brachiosaurus for the first time in the movie and you're just like, this is magic. And, and then uh, even later on um, with uh, some of the other scenes that it, it, you just feel like, I want to be there. I want to take this all in. Uh, and I get that kind of special feeling when I go to the zoo with my son sometimes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause they, uh, especially right now at the Dallas Fort Worth zoo, they, they, uh, 
I think every fall or maybe every other year or so they, they bring uh, dinosaurs in and they're like limited animatronics. They just kind of just pivot and make sounds. Um, and we used to take him a lot when he was younger and they brought it back this year. And so uh, going there and just every time I go there and I'm in that space, I just want to go back home and watch Jurassic Park. It's good. It's good. Jurassic Park is so good. So do you, yeah, I mean, again, I remember right when the shutdown of the pandemic happened, they did that Jurassic Park thing at Fair Park where you could drive your yeah. car through those big parking yeah. lots and they'd have Jurassic Quest. Yeah, Jurassic Quest. It, dinosaurs are here and it was all, it's all because of this movie, Jurassic Park and Michael Crichton and Spielberg's creation. And uh, yeah, this was the year of dinosaurs and it's really kind of, still here oh, it, dinosaurs haven't left we've seen so many movies with dinosaurs now or tv shows and uh, there's something about jurassic park like because i mean even i mean yes you can say this is a, a family film but let's just talk about that opening scene like you have yeah. credits opening like little credits and you hear like this big bass drum, you know, you know, like boom, and it's like, okay, footsteps. In this opening scene, you're thinking you're going to see a dinosaur, but it's this big metal futuristic cage and it's housing dinosaurs to put them in their sanctuary. And it is brutal. Like it is like a brutal scene of death and carnage. Yeah. Yeah. More so than, uh, have you ever read the book? Yeah. So Michael Crichton's book, which came out in 1990, I mean, I didn't know about it, of course, until this movie, but then I read the book and that, I mean, if Spielberg followed that book exactly, it would be a, it'd be a different movie for the most part, but it would be a hard R movie. Yeah. So, and the characters would be different. There's a sense of uh, tragedy and warmness to John Hammond that's not the same character in the book. There's so many differences. Uh, like the first beginning of it is entirely different. And so I think that you and I should write like a Ben Affleck air style movie to Jurassic Park leading up to <laughs> them opening it because there's, there's accidents that happen along the way. And there's just so much. It's interesting to me. I don't know how it would be marketable to a lot of productions, uh, uh, studios to be like, so you want to make a Jurassic Park movie but not feature too many dinosaurs like that's just a, yeah it's like it's it's all the stuff leading up to it it's like they have to go purchase the land from costa rica they have to do everything completely under the radar and accidents happen along the way and then they got to cover up their tracks and so and, and people in that are living in the surrounding areas of, of where they do the park are becoming suspicious and they're getting bite marks and that they have the compies that are not in the first jurassic park but are in the lost world the second one so yeah there's it's a really interesting uh, read after you watch the movie. Um, I, I kind of see them as separate entities with uh, some common ground, but uh, I, I do enjoy both of them, especially because a lot of the things that happen in the book feel more serialized. Like it would be a better, there's just so many different characters and there's so many different things happening that I think if you put all that into a movie, they, 
it, it just wouldn't work. It would too, it'd feel too overstuffed. And so by turning it into like a series or something like that, it might function a little bit better. I don't know. I would love to see that sort of thing, but I don't know how many other people actually would. What are your some of your favorite differences from the book to movie? Like, or do you like one or the other? I mean, I, I get the adaptation had to work well for the the screen and for a broader audience because if you follow the book again, it, it would be rated R. Kids wouldn't be able to yeah. see it because it's pretty bloody and gory and <laughs> lots yeah. of deaths. Yeah, the way that there, there's a couple. Um descriptions because i was reading aloud uh to my my son and wife and there's a couple descriptions uh that michael Crichton uh uses to set the hor the horrific scene one of them involving an infant in the the compies and so the compies were so they're, they're small they're like uh knee high to a bullfrog and they can <laughs> um they um they 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 attack this baby while it's sleeping and while the parents are in the other room and so just like all the stuff that so so the baby gets attacked and i think they even describe it as like a lot of the face was like ripped off and so right. that was uh, as he's listening to me right now i was like what <laughs> he's like <laughs> that part um so I, I I remember reading it and being like uh, I don't know if I can read this part because it, it sounds even worse reading it than it does for me just kind of relaying the information of what I read, but yeah uh, the the things that I'd be mo most interested in seeing is just build up because I think that's what as an adult watching Jurassic Park I love all those scenes of really interesting discussion especially with Ian Malcolm uh, like. When I was a kid, the most boring scene to me was when they're eating and they're doing the projection screen. Right. They're, they're, they're eating the Chilean sea bass. But you know what? You watch that movie, watch Jurassic Park with subtitles because yeah. when you could... Dr. Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character talks so fast. Yeah, uh, yeah. You kind of miss it. But if you put on the subtitles, that character is so genius. And like yeah. he he's saying like... He's saying the things that you don't want to say because this place is so cool. Yeah. But he's saying like, this is an abomination and a world of horror that will kill yeah. us all. Yeah. Like you're, you're setting up the extinction of humanity and that's kind of been the, the arc of his character, even into the Jurassic world uh, stuff is like, he's always been very apprehensive about everything and so yeah that scene and then when he's talking to uh Ella, ellie sattler in the car uh laura dern's character and they're doing the water drop sequence yeah water drop test yeah yeah those two scenes were like the most boring to me as a kid i was just like let's you know let's move on and then now i watch it and i was like those are the best scenes in the whole movie they're so, so good that, yeah that's why I love the book uh, by comparison is because it has even more of the type of sequences like Jurassic Park. If you read it, you're, you start reading it. It's like immersing you into the science stuff. Like there's so much science involved with it. I don't know how Michael Crichton did it at the time. I was like, how do you know to talk about it? You seem like such an expert in this field, this field. He must have had done so much research to uh to, to write this book in terms of paleontology, mathematics, 
just being able to just talk about geographic locations with such ease uh, to it, it just kind of depends what kind of reader you are. Cause when I was reading it to my wife, she's like, a lot of this, like it, it just doesn't, I don't feel like I need to know it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm eating up every bit of it because I'm just so amazed at that sort of thing of it's like kind of getting this sense of like the, the, how the sausage gets made and that sort of thing. And so I, I, I could just, continuously read uh this this world um so i would love more scenes like that i think a lot of what happens in the beginning of it with um the attacks so th there's a kid that's attacked and not a man when they do the raptor sequence and then so they describe like seeing the foam around the wounds yeah and like, oh this was a uh a, a tractor accident and then the people this the the people that are doing the operation are like this doesn't look like like there's no dirt in the wounds and nothing. It's very clean, but there's foam around it. And then so that whole buildup, even though you as a reader know that dinosaurs are involved, like you're just like, somebody's going to figure it out. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I would love more stuff like that. I think it was great. It was great. And I always remember the scene in the book with uh, Dennis Nedry's character, the character playing by Wayne Knight, who steals the the DNA for the yeah. uh, opposing company. His death scene in the book is so much more violent. Yes. It is, because I remember reading that and I was like, wow. <laughs> it's yeah. like this book holds nothing back. And I, I, lo I loved because, I mean, it's a dinosaur, it's a wild animal. Again, how they describe it in the movie, like this, these dinosaurs, these animals don't know what uh, century they're in and they will defend themselves if necessary, yeah. violently if necessary. And Spielberg in the film showed that perfectly and in the book even more so of how, even in the opening scene and then with these dinosaur attacks, it's... It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's still it's still brutal in the movie, even though a lot of what happens is off screen. But I still got terrified from uh, uh, Wayne Knight's death in that sequence uh, because of just like what is happening inside that car. And even uh, um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name right now. But the the guy that is he. he He's uh, with Ellie Sattler for most of it in the, the second half. He's like the rap raptor. Oh, man. the raptor wrangler. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the one that says they should all be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a fascinating character for such limited time. Uh, God rest his soul, because I think he died pretty young um, or shortly after the movie. Uh, yeah. When, when his death sequence comes with the raptor and the clever girl bit, but just kind of the noises and everything. That's what makes it such a, a horror movie is the way that it uses sound to just like the way that the raptors kind of like wind up where they're like, it just, it's terrifying. Like the sounds are more haunting to me than, than the visuals of it. And uh, the descriptions of it in the book are, are pretty horrific. I, I very rarely get freaked out by uh, reading reading books and just being and i feel like within that book and some of the sequences in stephen king's work uh i get i get i can i get it
Yeah, I I do too. Uh, it's something good. Like it's just uh, the the book to the, the adaptation is just they did a good job. But I, I'm very curious. Like I love that you said we should write a screenplay similar to Air, but prequelize it to the leading up to opening Jurassic Park. But I mean, I think. Even so, I would like to see kind of like a fan-made movie of like strictly deleted scenes from the book that were made into a movie because I think yeah. it'd be something that would be really cool. And There's I want sequels like yes, things that are happening simultaneously that we don't get to see. Or but I I I always like I don't I can't think of another movie that does this. Lincoln kind of did it until they showed the assassination at the very end, speaking of Steven Spielberg. But I always love that movie up to the point where he's going, you know, he's going to the theater and he picks up the gloves off the table and you're and you're like in the movie, in the movie. And then he just keeps going. I'm like, damn it, this opportunity. Yeah. And so but you know what's going to happen. And so uh, I, I, I that that's the only feeling that's kind of coming to me at the moment. If they did something like that, or we did, uh, uh, if we wrote something just kind of leading up to like capturing the, the beginning of Jurassic park. And then I just like the idea of like bringing marketers involved, like a marketing team involved. Like they have to think about all, just like all this behind the scenes stuff. And then just ending in this way where they're so hopeful that this thing's going to work out and they made it this far. And then we know because we've seen Jurassic Park of where it goes from there. And so I like that, like hopefulness, but the doom that is coming is inevitable. Right. No, and it ended perfectly because, oh, my God, the dinosaurs are breeding now, like because they're not supposed to breed. They're supposed to be all female. But due to the frog DNA gaps, frogs, some South African frogs been known to change from sexes. Yeah. Uh, in a single sex environment, which happens in Jurassic Park with the dinosaurs, but having the dinosaurs being able to reproduce and then being left on an island, but the hum the few humans escape, like that's crazy. Like it's just like, oh my God. And we see it in future movies where they come to the mainland and stuff like that. But something great about that. And I want to go to the merchandising aspect of this movie because who's whose idea genius idea was it to put the merchandise and show it in the movie <laughs> i know uh, and you're like i want that shirt i want that thermos i want that you yeah. know <laughs> i want that stuffed uh brachiosaurus and it has like that 90s colorization to it where it's like multicolor. yeah 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 every time i watch that sequence with my son i'm just like god i wish i could just pause it and just take that right off the shelf um, and, and I get jealous this year because it's the 30th anniversary at Universal Studios in Florida. They're having a special 30th anniversary edition. And like you can go on like NBC.com and everything. And they have some like really fun like class of 93 shirts and things yeah. like that that are very like 90 retroized um, material that I'm just like, ah. I would just spend a ridiculous amount of money. Um, but that's why I love that I still hung on to a you lot. You did. You did. Of, including, uh, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording, this T-Rex that is in frame, which is the original 1993 T-Rex. Um, got it when I on my fourth birthday. And I uh, maybe even before. I know I got 
my fourth birthday was completely Jurassic Park focused because I saw the movie after my third. And uh, I just remember getting everything. I got the trucks. I got everything. I don't. So unfortunately, I don't. It might still be in my toy box up in my parents' attic, but I've gone through that thing um, because I'm such a nostalgic person and I have a glass display case of all the toys that I used to have when I was a kid. A lot of them still in their original packaging, including that, that Velociraptor up there, which is the original 1993 one. Um, so I, every time I have somebody come over and they look at it, I'm like, I am that art and 40 year old virgin where he's talking about his toys, but he was like, do you know how hard it was to be that young and not open the packaging? <laughs> um, or I think of that skit in SNL from a couple years ago where they're making fun of uh, Star Wars collectors, Star Wars toy collectors. And they say, I buy three of them. I buy one to play with one to keep on the shelf in the original packaging and one just in case. And so there you go. Hey, that you 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 live that movie before it was a real thing. <laughs> That's good. So the the merchandising in that, I mean, I just loved it them showing it multiple times throughout the movie and it obviously worked because I remember having I'm trying to remember if I had any actual dinosaurs, but I remember having some of the action figures of the humans. Uh yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Gold. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. I'm telling you, folks, Preston has his background. He has Jurassic still in packaging. Like it's it legit. Yeah, he I has the my... Sega Genesis video game. Yep, yep, yep. The VHS, the book that came out in 1993 that still has that smell. I just remember that smell. Oh, and it's then, so good. And then a, a new uh, John Raymond Arnold. Uh, Samuel Jackson's character, which comes with a detached bloody arm. <laughs> That's amazing. I I did play the video game for Nintendo or Super Nintendo for sure. Uh, and I still like if you go to an arcade today, they have like yeah. that immersive one where you're like in the vehicle and you're shooting. Uh, so the Alamo Drafthouse in Ditton has it now. They, oh, really? They put one in the lobby, and so every time we go past it, he wants to play it. But I don't really like playing it that much because you were shooting the dinosaurs. You're just, right. I mean... You're just killing them all, and I'm like, what What are we teaching here? Well, okay, so let's, let's talk about that element um, in the movie. I mean, it's man versus nature, and... Yeah you're going to hurt a dinosaur if it's going to try to hurt you. But I mean, these dinosaurs don't know any better. You know, they're, yeah. they're living their life. This is what they're supposed to do. They're not pets, even though Dr. John Hammond wanted it to be a petting zoo for the most part, you know, more or less, but that's what he figured out. He learned the very hard way. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Jurassic Park took it easy for the most part. I think Jurassic Park 2 and even 3 took it easy, but the new Jurassic Worlds are just mean movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're just about hurting the dinosaurs. And it's really sad to watch. Uh, yeah, especially... The new ones. Yeah, it's especially, you know, the black market one and where there's a oh, black market and all... Yeah, I, I, it's just difficult to watch because you're you're thinking about like, oh, they're they're like pets, and they're, you know, you see like gangsters with tigers, but they're going to have a dinosaur now, and it just gets into silly territory. But 
it, it does i do i still find i think that one's the most interesting one to me i don't think they completely nail it home but the locust thing uh was a big detour from what i was expecting with that i think that was people's biggest complaint with jurassic world dominion is just that like why did they focus so much on the locusts we're here to see dinosaurs and so to kind of see that black market bit as like unsettling as it is to think about you're like oh man humanity would probably go that way if if dinosaurs kind of took off like that somebody would i mean that was like the focus with trying to uh how would you say it? militarize them uh use them to be able to go into combat and things like that and train them like you would uh german shepherds or something um is is uh crazy to think about i don't know if they completely nailed the tone in the movie but i feel like that one somewhat brings back the wonder a little bit i don't know if it was just because they got most of the original cast members back and you have that that holy trinity with uh alan ellie and, and ian malcolm but there, there are a few moments of pause where they they look at the the baby triceratops and they're just like kind of having this moment of smiling and everything like that um which is good but then yeah no, none of them handled it the way that they did in that first one i think it was just because they didn't have as many dinosaurs to play with but every death and every time they shot and everything like that it didn't bother me because i was like this is strictly two different species trying to survive right. you got yeah humanity, you got dinosaurs but most of the time it was it was like we're not gonna we're gonna let especially with alan grant i think that's why i love his character so much they have those discussions in the tree and everything like that where it it, it seems like they're taking moments of pause to just kind of take in the nature the nature of these creatures and and talk about them um and whenever we get up to the ending instead of having this shootout or something like they got to kill it um even the jurassic world tv show that they have on netflix suffered from that a little bit even though it was targeted to kids they would have a, a kid killing a, a dinosaur and so at least in the first jurassic park you have dinosaurs fighting each other you have the velociraptor fighting the t-rex in the end and that's what makes it a great movie to me is that oh they left it they left it to just be that like it didn't have to be like let's get out the guns and let's make this a man versus nature type of thing even though there is a man versus nature quality to it but it's all just in the sake of trying to survive yeah no it is and that's what i love about it and then the later films got got meaner but yeah the even you said the triceratops and i really like you know when they're handling the little baby velociraptor out of the egg there's like that sweet sweetness to it and everybody in there is sweet until you know you have a t-rex or velociraptor literally lunging at you uh and i just i mean yeah you're just trying to survive uh it's wonderful it's wonderful the jurassic park uh so character wise who do you think is still the best character in Jurassic Park. I mean, uh, Ian Malcolm for sure, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I Ian Malcolm like I mentioned with those two sequences like he's he's asking these questions that we, that may be percolating in, in our mind as we watch it and he says the things that nobody wants to hear. 
because they because like John Hammond, like his eyes are on the prize. He can't really see the forest for the trees. He's he's too distracted by the, the whole potential of this park. And so it's just those dynamics, like the way that they bounce off each other. That's what makes each of these characters wholly unique. I like Alan and Ellie Sattler together because the discussions that they have uh, at the dig or when they're together, which is, you know, there's a big chunk of the film where they're separated. But um, I just really enjoy, like, even little Timmy with Alan Grant, like the kids trying to, like, I read your book, I, I read everything. And then, and then he's annoying him with, with his own <laughs> words a little bit. Um, and, but then there's like this whole paternal thing that's going on with them. Like he's becoming more of a father figure than John Hammond is. And he's like their grandfather. Like uh, there's even like call outs in the movie to John Hammond, like, those are your those, from Ellie Satley. Like those are your kids out there. Yeah, you're still wanting this thing to work, even though it's gone completely south. And so that's a good scene of of Ellie and John Hammond together, like him having this realization. I think one of the most beautiful moments in the movie to me is at the very end when John Hammond is getting in the helicopter and he's like taking a second to kind of just be like, man. This, this could have been awesome. awesome. There's so much promise, and it just completely fucked. Right. And then he, and then Alan just like comes to like tapping. He's like kind of jolted for a second, and so it's like one of those things. Where like, how do you write that? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you write human moments like yeah. that that just feel so real with with a world that's so beyond our own, but feels like it's still within our grasp a little bit right it's crazy so yeah in terms of humor i would say ian malcolm and in interest like he just really gets your brain going and gets you laughing um because of the things that seemingly he did off script with this uh, like all that stuff it's like <laughs> so good like uh he was perfect for the job his look him laying down with the shirt open and everything and um uh, yeah it's it really just comes down to like the individual character moments i think i, I just kind of go like oh he's my favorite oh they're they're my favorite oh i just love them together it's like a <laughs> episode of it's always sunny or something <laughs> right do you know who's the most underrated character in this movie ray samuel jackson yeah samuel well, jackson's character ray he i mean he has one of the arnold yeah, yeah ray arnold, arnold. Yeah. He is uh, unbelievably good. You know, he has one of the most memorable lines that he says a few times in the movie, you know, hold on to your butts. But yeah. like, he's smart. He doesn't take any shit. You know, he... But unfortunately, he dies. You don't see it like almost the rest of the deaths, really. But... I, or there's so many theories like, did he? Maybe he just lost his arm. He's around there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like the I second think... movie could be just like a rescue mission to try to see if there's anybody there. And then they find out he's like in a closet. Like, where y'all been? <laughs> been? Uh, I just, you know, I think he's the, like the, he runs the park and he was running a tight ship, you know, and like he takes leadership qualities, you know? Yeah. I just that character was so good and I wish he was more fleshed out. Uh, but then it became more about, you know, other things. And you know what? Like you love, I mean, Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry 
you know, you just hate that guy. You know, he's just a prick. Nobody likes him. And he's just after money. And I think he was so blinded by money that, you know, he was willing to sacrifice the world, you know? Yeah. 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 Even, uh, yeah, there's just like, we already mentioned, uh, well, we didn't mention his name, but Bob Peck. As yes. Muldoon as the Raptor Wrangler. Yeah. Like, he he's really good like you just mentioned that line that they should all be destroyed like he it's really cool to see the people who are just so honest and recognize the potential of this going south and like they're they're so cool like i'm i want to know like that's why i'm interested in like this like behind the scenes making the park type of scenario of like them putting up the electric fences and just having this moment of so what happens if there's a bad storm and uh, they lose electricity? We have backup power. I don't know. I didn't go that far. I didn't think that far. Right. So, and you would think that would be the case because that character, um, Muldoon, the the Raptor Wrangler, he for very briefly, he just says like, yeah, I've hunted everything, but these Raptors yeah. are very different. And you're just like, in our movie, Preston, our prequel movie, we can show him hunting crazy beasts, you know? And then, you know, unknowingly that he's going to become in Jurassic Park. Like they should all be destroyed. And it's just so good. It's So to really get to the core of what makes this movie great, it's the arc of each person. Some of them can know that doom is coming, such as Bob Peck and some of these other characters. But it's just like that, that sense of feeling that I was talking about with wanting to do a prequel with that ending of being like, this this duality of it going so great like they 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 can probably see that where could this possibly go and it could go horribly bad but there's also so much it's the greed aspect of it um but with bob peck as i mentioned like he he has he's a survivalist but he that's what makes his death so interesting to me is that he he's like i i'm i've lost he's um, lost and he knows he's the only person that knows how smart the raptors are like and he yeah. constantly tells people how smart they are yeah yeah like to a point where nobody believes him um, yeah <laughs> like he's like yeah you're going to get you're going to get your moment um so um yeah like uh with alan grant like it seemed like he loved this stuff. Like he loved digging up dinosaurs. It was his entire world. And then after this, even if you didn't have the sequels to go off of, you'd be like, I can see these people just being like, what's the point? You know, right. Like the world has changed. This is, they, they don't hold the magic for me anymore because now it's like, we, even though the park is destroyed, these dinosaurs still exist there. They're only going to multiply and then it really is going to become Jurassic world. Um, and so, um, yeah, like each character kind of has that moment. Like I mentioned with, uh, John Hammond. Yeah, they do. And I like a lot of, like you said, a lot of their arcs. And one of the funniest arcs is the blood sucking lawyer. That (laughs) dude is just so goddamn against Jurassic park. And then almost immediately is like, we need to do this. Like we're going to make a ton of money. And then you got to think when he's in the bathroom about to get eaten, he has a reverse, you know, reaction. He's like, I got out of here. I did the smart thing. Um, right. I, I ran to <laughs> for, 
to un, uh, without selfishly, I, I would say, but he thought he was doing the the best that he could to try to get out of that situation. But yeah, it didn't go his way. And so, yeah, the, the character in the book was a little bit different. Right. Uh, and so he, he had, he had some different uh, sides to him where maybe it, it, he questioned it a little bit, especially because they bring the whole lawyer type of thing, like him working at the firm and everything. And like his, the person that's above him, his, his, his boss is like, uh, has some scenes of dialogue where they, where they discuss, like, don't, don't get kind of pulled up into this, sucked into this world. And so, uh, thank you. Got a little Batman toy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, that, that's another thing about watching the movie and, and then reading the book is seeing like the, the, the differences there with the, the character decisions and uh, like why it works, why, why those changes work for the movie and, the, and why I said that they work, function as separate entities is because I like it, them, them here in the book um, and then I like them here in the movie and they can be uh, radically different. Yeah. It, and they work great in their respective uh adaptations um the the final scene in like the final five minutes in jurassic park when uh the kids and uh ellie and dr alan grant are climbing down the t-rex bones and the the velociraptors are about to attack them and the T-Rex comes in and it's just like, oh my God, this move, this move, it still brings goosebumps and jaw drops uh, in that moment. And it's just like so great. And of course, Spielbergian having the, the banner dinosaurs rule the world and then getting on the plane and seeing the birds. It's just like, it's like poetry almost, right? Oh, it definitely is poetry. There's so many moments like that that are just really uh that they give you a lot to think about if you allow it to if right you take a moment of pause to be like huh wow, well even there. the velociraptor in the computer room and all the dna sequences on him you know like that's a yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> poetic yeah. like thing that's happening in real time in life uh i i really like that but that that end scene still gets me and you know we have to talk about john williams because mm. i mean i don't think this movie would be near as good without his score absolutely not so this is probably my favorite movie score of all time i i think you can there's not a bad track in it and every time you hear it you get pulled into that sense of wonder that i was describing especially with that main theme song um it, but but then so many people have like par uh, made parodies out of it, and it's kind of hard to be like, oh no, let's get push that out because I want this to be only assigned to Jurassic Park. Um, but but yeah, I think I really think that that's to me that's his greatest score. I know he's done Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Jaws, and so many other great things, and but that's the one that, it, and I think it's just because of it being the first movie I saw in theaters and everything and uh, really making me fall in love with movies. But I, yeah, every time I hear it, I just get, it's just magical to me. There's, there's, it, there's no other word to really describe watching this movie or uh, thinking about it without assigning the word uh, magic to it. Right. And it just, it, it brings to life whatever's on screen for it. Um, so, you know, this movie 
Jurassic Park, interestingly enough, uh, was, you know, came out in June of 1993. And Spielberg's other movie, uh, Schindler's List, was released just a few months later in 1993. Schindler's List. Um, Two very big movies. One movie won him an Oscar. And you think like, yeah, Schindler's List is an amazing movie. Like, it's so good. I, It's it's fantastic. Jurassic Park um, only won the Oscar for like sound and, you know, visual effects. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, what? How is, you know, because you, like, you go to the 1993 Oscars, uh, and like, what was up, you know, and you had Schindler's List, which won Best Picture. You have The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, The Remains of the Sky, or The Remains of the Day. And you're just like, how is Jurassic Park not in Best Picture, you know, like, wh- what, what's happening, you know? Yeah, it, it was, it's an issue that didn't really come up until it was too late after 2000. 2000- Eight with the dark night that's when things kind of shifted and they added the 10 but then even after that you're like very few did you actually bring in like a big blockbuster type that really just shifted the paradigm of cinema where you have like lord of the rings and things like that that were recognized titanic even though there's still a dramatic a beat to it that makes it somewhat more within that doesn't seem too much of like a stretch but yeah, I think in retrospect, I think I feel like even Roger Ebert only gave this three out of four, three out of four stars. Um, so um, th- things like that. I, don't, I really wonder if did they really see see this movie for for what it is? Uh, maybe after thirty years of just kind of dissecting it, you know, and then seeing where the other ones go, that it's only like raised this even higher up on the pedestal. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I really think it should have been. It was a massive movie. It should have been with in the in those five movies that were nominated for best picture because we're not talking about some of those other ones that were nominated. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's it, it's crazy. Or even ones that have won over the years. Who, who the hell talks about the King's speech anymore? I don't know. No, I know. And so I've always said this Oscar winners, mostly most of the time, nine times out of 10 are movies. You wouldn't watch again. Like you watched them once and they're, they're Oscar baitiers. Like I, you forget about it. And you know, like, like that's why I think like Mad Max Fury road should have won best picture. Like that's yeah. it's, but like Jurassic Park should have won Best Picture. Like I get, I'm, I'm I'm excited that Schindler's List did because it's an amazing movie, and I'm I think yeah. that deserved to win. And you have two movies for Best Picture by the same director in the same year. It's weird that that happened, uh, but it's oh, Jurassic Park still. We, what I was gonna say, like we have to. It's hard to have a. Jurassic Park podcast episode and not talk about certain sequences such right. as the T Rex uh, area of the movie and then the raptor sequence in the kitchen. Um, I mean, they, they've been like so heavily discussed over the years, but they're they're just so uh, influential to cinema. And there's so many things to talk about, even behind the scenes with uh, like this 
war that was going on between uh, Phil Tippett and, and the, the guy who were creating, like, trying to do stop motion right. style versus, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy who was working on the computer. And and, and so they were kind of going side, side by side. And so, like, to watch some of the behind the scenes and Phil be like, yeah, it was like, it was like your dog dying. And the day comes when it dies and it's so sad. But then it was really unique that it wasn't like, well, Steven Spielberg was like, well, that the, the way of the future is this computer stuff. And the computer stuff was like, we, we could spend a whole bit of time talking about like how the special effects of this movie hold up. <laughs> it it so holds up really well because the mix of the animatronics and yeah. puppetry with the cg is insane like there's some stuff that's like okay i can see cg but like that that first t-rex sequence like like from you can take that shot from lexi saying like where's the goat and then the goat yeah. like you know it's a very slasher type of horror yeah. movie shot right there bloody leg on the car and then that whole sequence of the t-rex attacking the children that is still so terrifying. Even watching it, you know, this morning again, it's that scene is still good. And it's like almost nonstop from there because you have that happen. And then you have the car falling out of the tree. And then you have Ellie and Dr. Ian Malcolm coming and you have uh, them saving him and the T-Rex coming after them. That but that scene with the T Rex attacking the car is still terrifying, and I always wanted to talk with Joseph Mazzalo and Ariana Richards and be like, "Y'all were, you know, like that animatronics coming down at y'all at that young age. Like, talk to me about like that trauma." Yeah, yeah, because it seems like they're legit terrified because I, I, there were so many mysteries that were happening on the set, especially with the animatronics, because they were kind of having their own minds because of the, the the rain that they were creating on on set uh to enhance the atmosphere and it was causing like the electronicness and the, its ability to move about he steven spielberg has said like making jurassic park was almost as problematic as making jaws, jaws right so, with it not functioning the way that he wanted and for how problematic it was, it still turns out both of them turn, turned out so great. Um, but yeah, just may, maybe, maybe that enhanced the feeling for them to be like, you never know. There's not, you never know. Like they, there's people controlling it, but who's to say that that, that animatronic puppet wouldn't just go boom, <laughs> crush them. Right. Um, yeah life but, uh, found a way <laughs> exactly yeah yeah there you go um it's kind of like them creating the the exorcist and all that uh spookiness happening happening on set um yeah I, I think them with that car like putting glass on top of the roof was like one of the most genius ideas for how how to, that worked yeah yeah for how that works but also going into the gates for jurassic park and like just that camera pan up of seeing it like how big it is yeah like yeah they, they they found so many useful ways through simplicity to make it so effective the way that they did and so yeah you're absolutely right after that that t-rex gets out of the 
in the buildup of that that's what makes steven spielberg who he is is like he is an expert at building uh dread or just making cranking up the tension with the classic you know uh t-rex uh walking towards them and then you see the cup in the the, ripples, the water ripples water. yeah it's um, genius and that that's been mimicked so many times you know another super super maybe one of the most the most suspenseful part of the movie is when little timmy is on the electric gate yeah. and they're you know going editing back and forth between ellie turning on all the lights and how they shot that and how like and like he gets electrocuted like he yeah. does not <laughs> he does not get away at the last human piece of toast <laughs> it's so good like that scene is so great you know when that happens and it's very sad because he's like unconscious but then ellie has her own thing with coming face to face with the velociraptor yeah and running away from it and she's like injured and oh what yeah. and like that's a very alien sequence yeah. like from alien coming through the pipes you know yeah yeah it's yeah. go spielberg you know spielberg knows what he's doing man he um, does he does yeah. uh and i'm trying to think he would like, be the one person and we've had the privilege to talk to so many legends in our, in our career of being film critics and film journalists and that he would be the one person that I would probably just melt in front of and just like you, you are the cinema godfather. Right. No, <laughs> he kind of changed movies. Like it's crazy. Hopefully one day we'll get to talk with him. Uh, so, okay. Jurassic Park. I so so t talk to me Preston about all the stuff you have in the background. Like what what what's this dinosaur on the left? This one? Yeah, yeah, talk to me about this. That's the yeah, that's the original 1993 T-Rex and it is my uh rosebud. It's the thing that I uh, so I've had two of these. This one whoop, microphone's about to go. Uh, this one I've had for a little while. Uh, the ones that I had when I was a kid, like the, the way that they made them back then were like the arms would pop off so easily. Um, the batteries are not in it because I was worried about corrosion and, and um, it you would squeeze the top of it. And so it they just don't make toys like this anymore, man. Like they the the, the skin to it feels so like everything's so plastic nowadays. Like they, they've done a 30th anniversary of the, the T-Rex uh, that you can get where the packaging looks cool. Like they make the packaging feel like very retro in 1993, but the T-Rex is still like super plastic and they do the, the stupid dino damage versions of it. Oh, okay. Like wounds right there and you press on their wound, they go, eh. and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, a kid, I'm like, what the fuck? That's so traumatizing. Um, so yeah, a flaw in their marketing to be able to do that. But this is the one that always just remains so special to me because it looks the most like the T-Rex in the movie. Like I have the, 
1997 one from Lost World and it yeah kind of I mean like they they did a little more details on the eyes and they thought it it's a little more flimsy by comparison because with this one it can swallow stuff so I used to always put Jeff Goldblum getting eaten and then you he could <laughs> swallow it and then it would come out of his belly and you get all kinds of stuff stuck in it all the time so I would like hide toys in there whenever I had friends come over <laughs> so um Yeah, and, and then my son has some of the newer ones. Um, like he he got all the the big ones. Like there was a year for Jurassic World where they just that my um <laughs> sounds good. Um, they're huge. Like he has a Mesosaurus that, that's like this massive. He has a, a Brachiosaurus that's literally almost as tall as me. Um, they're massive. Uh, Uh, he has an Adonis Rex, he has a Carnotaurus, and uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that is, this is the one from Fallen Kingdom, uh, that, I forget the name of it, but it's the the raptor one that they do the Nosferatu thing in Oh, Fallen okay. Kingdom. That's cool. Uh, so there's that one, I don't remember what this one is. This must this one must have been from the TV show, um, but yeah, we yeah we got a lot of dinosaurs in the house. But yeah, that the that T Rex from the original film will be like I want to be buried with it or cremated with it. <laughs> He'll probably take it for me. So this one turns to that one because it still has the hair. Yeah, yeah. So that that so that one goes up to that one. perhaps perhaps so. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that T-Rex is very special to me. And, and then having the, that, that was another cool thing about the, the dinosaurs that you bought back in when the, this movie first came out is they came with trading cards. And so the, the Velociraptor one I have, uh, comes with a trading card right there in the, so the T-Rex came the same way. And so they, they, they go for a lot of money on uh, eBay. And so, uh, yeah, I still have a, a stack of them somewhere of the original trading cards that they would come with. And they, they were fun ones too. Like if you, there's one uh, characters that are not in the movie, like there's one guy, I have to look it up. I forget the name of it, but there's one guy that looks like very extreme like he's a dinosaur hunter but he has no shirt on or anything i was like this dude is not in the movie whatsoever oh my gosh what is his name i'm gonna have to look it up <laughs> uh shirtless shirtless Jack joe park toy what's his name uh those are the of course the jeff goldblum ones come up first um what is his name And then we got to put in 1993. Yeah, that's the Jurassic World. See, very plastic. Yeah, very plat. Yeah. I mean, they got cool effects to them when they open their mouth and everything. And there's a little more detail to uh, the, 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 the way the bumps and their teeth and everything. But it's not the same. It's not the same. Well, I can't find the guy. Oh, there's my Velociraptor one. What is that guy's name? Well, I'm sure somebody can look it up there. Look up, find it. You'll find it somewhere. There's a character where he has no shirt on.
All right. We'll look for that. Um, Jurassic Park, you know, it's been 30 years since Jurassic Park. Uh, I think the most recent version on home video are the 4K movies that come in a set or individually. Uh, and it's just so great to relive these, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a good set and it's fun to revisit, especially that first movie. Like there's something just you Spielberg has a way of making movies and making you feel like a child, like in, in a good way. Like he brings you back to the kid where all of the nonsense of the real world go away and you are a kid again. Uh, and that's Jurassic Park. Yeah. I just sent you the picture. His name is Dr. Snare. that's incredible uh i'm saving this and there we go i I, it is my aim to i there's been opportunities for me to get that one but i feel like if it was uh if we brought that character to our uh beginning uh our prequel uh if we could just fan cast it's, it. It's canon. Around. Yeah, it's canon. If he was still around, it'd be played by Rudger Howard. So. <laughs> it would be good. It would just have, like, to, it'd have to be Harrison Ford, really. Yeah, just, yeah, he just, like, this big bulk, like, he even has scars because I just can't imagine, like, this guy being a doctor. Like, he just is a shirtless man that looks like he just came out of Predator with, like, bullets across his chest and he's seen some stuff. It'll it'll be Arnold. Yeah, it'll be old Arnold, shirtless, just fighting dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, it's so good! All right, Jurassic Park. It's one of our favorite movies of all time, still to this day. I think Jurassic Park is one of those films, at least between press and I, that we watch at least once a year, if not multiple times a year, for sure. And I. It's one of those movies that no matter how many times I see it, it never loses any credibility or fun or magic. It's always like I'm watching it for a first time again. Yeah. Yeah. Any opportunity that they're screening it at a drive-in because I I showed my son the movie for the first time at a drive-in during COVID and he was three. So <laughs> I passed the torch uh, in the most perfect way. Um, so we watched it there and, and I'm sure they're doing more screens this year for the 30th anniversary. I don't know if they did one on, on J- June 11th, but um, I so desperately want to go to Universal Studios this year for all the uh, t-shirts and all kinds of random stuff that they have um let me ask you what's your favorite sequel favorite sequel Hmm. i'm gonna say my favorite sequel is the third one nice jurassic park 3 i know it doesn't it, it doesn't a lot of people don't like that answer. A lot of people wouldn't say that, but I think three is actually really good because it has, you know, kind of like a father and son type of element where they're going to this Island. And then just like on a little, like we're going to hang glide through it and whatever. And that's it. And then 
Jurassic Park 3 happens and there's like this new dinosaur, you know, because like in part one and part two, we kind of see the same dinosaurs almost. But in the third one, that life found a way in the science of it is like, oh, there's a new breed of dinosaur that is insane. And it is this is what could happen without it being in check and like these crazy ass big dinosaurs can be running amok and i even think like that it's a very horrifying one because that scene with all the little dinosaurs attacking the family is really yeah crazy i like the third one a lot uh that's probably my favorite sequel i think part two because spielberg did part two i think like the first 30 minutes of that movie are pretty good uh, it's up until part two where the 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 trailers are falling off the cliff and like the glass is breaking. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. But after that, man, it just goes very silly and it's like two different movies. Um, and ah, Jurassic Worlds. I think that first Jurassic World with Chris Pratt is... In a way, it's just, it's like, it's a cartoon. Like, you have people running in high heels. You have characters who don't have any speaking lines, but, like, just get, you know, brutal. behave like human beings. Right. Uh, That, and then you have dinosaurs, you know, becoming friends and, you know, taking bows. You know, it's like, it's just silly. So I'm going to say third one. What about you? What's your favorite sequel? Lost World. I, I I agree with you that it does feel like two different movies, but I don't mind that transition too much uh, because rewatching them, I think the third one actually holds up pretty well or, or a lot better than uh, than I remember because I've I've watched it a couple of times because uh, my son really likes the Spinosaurus, which is the big bad in that one, um, and and it makes it unique because. Spinosaurus is a dinosaur that actually existed. It didn't have to be a genetically modified one, which is what happened in all the Jurassic World movies, except for the, I guess, the Gigantosaurus that was in the last one, but they still had somewhat of, uh, I guess they kind of mostly used ones that actually have been discovered or known to have existed, uh, especially the one with the long fingers that I can't think of what it's called in Jurassic World Dominion. But, um, yeah, I like, um, like I mentioned, none of them kind of cap- captured that same sense of magic. It It's it's like an entirely different type of feel. Like it was like, hey, we know this world. Let's just kind of hit the ground running and b- bring in a whole different aspect. Let's really capitalize on this engine type of thing where uh, people are coming in to use them for uh, different purposes and taking them out of their their elements. So, like on paper, like I find all those things interesting. I don't know if it's always told and things in, in the way that I feel like captures the uh, complete potential of like what those uh, concepts and ideas are. But there's some really good sequences in there, like the T Rex uh, with the them dangling off the cliff. How many? movies have done that dangling off the cliff thing we just saw mission uh, impossible, mission impossible do the same thing. <laughs> but they took it to a different level and made it feel uh wholly unique uh even one of the maze runner movies which did it. did it too and it felt like it had a lot of the same beats along with like 
a character falling to the glass at the very bottom of it, yep. having to carefully get up and not allow it to crack. So again, Spielberg doing the tension thing and, and along with uh, uh, what's his face from um, uh, West Wing, Richard. Oh, yes. Um, oh, God. What's his name? I have to look it up. What was his name? Listening to this is like, it's this. <laughs> uh where is this he's called uh richard schiff there we go i actually uh cole and i friend of the show james cole clay uh we watched um hardcore henry right next to him that's great South southwest and we were talking about that and, and he and i i brought up Dra uh, lost world and it was like man your death always just got to me man like i just can't imagine just being grabbed by just like your scream and then fucking yep. rip you apart i was like that is the scene on the toilet in the first one it is that so, is so it's good. yeah um, a lot of the stuff is good and then when they get to san diego and it feels like a godzilla movie i i still I still enjoy it because there's still that like, oh, what does it look like when a dinosaur is in the modern world and it's so completely confused, eating a eating a a, a barking dog and drinking right. out of the pool and stuff. Yeah, it, it's all silly, but there's still uh, being in seven when I was, which is how old I was when that one came out. Um, there's some. I mean, it has the compy scene from the first in the book of Jurassic Park. It does. At the beginning, it's a little different, but uh, still pretty close. Um, and they get a little bit. They get a little bit into like uh, the behind the scenes stuff and covering up things and that sort of stuff. And it's a little more boring uh, by comparison. But yeah, I like that one. Um, it, I never forgave uh, Jurassic World three for snapping the T Rex's neck <laughs> with the Spinosaurus. Yeah. What the fuck is this? I was like, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger movie snapping next. Right? That's what it was. And you know what? Interestingly enough, on our other show, Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast, Jurassic Park 3 was our second episode. Oh, there you go. It was uh, it was before you joined the crew. Uh, yeah. But our second episode was Jurassic Park 3. And Dan Moran and I talked about how great that movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 Yeah, there's... There's a lot of buildup and uh, some good character moments and some mystery to it. That's kind of fun. Like with the kid and he's like, they, they put T-Rex P around to kind of keep the copy copies away. And he's like, how did you get the T-Rex P? He's like, you don't want to know. Like, oh, oh yeah. Let's see that. I want that deleted scene. Where is it? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. You don't want to know. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, yeah. Jurassic park, 1993, 30 years. Watch it again. Uh, it's it, you'll be transported back to your childhood. Uh, I'm so finally glad we got to do this one. Yeah, this one seems like it's been a long time coming. There's there's a few classics that we've been. Not that this one is completely put in the box of horror, but there, as you said at the opening of this, there's enough horror attached to this. Uh, that, yeah, I guess you could really consider it that for sure. Um, but yeah, there are some classics that I'm sure we're going to get around to in time. But it's hard, like when you're doing a podcast like this, you want to do those uh, those deeper cuts and the ones that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. But every once in a while, it really is nice to talk about one of these especially one like this that we're so mutually passionate about, about. um 
but yeah, we're not going to do a deep dive on like, you know, the Raptor sequence in the kitchen because we all know how great that sequence yeah. is. Yeah, it's so. good. It's good. Um, we are my bloody podcast. Thank you for listening. Jurassic Park style. Go seek it out again. Uh, Preston, you are everywhere in life, really. You're like the you're, everywhere you're, and nowhere. Everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Uh, he's at freshfiction.tv. He's at the Denton Record Chronicle, writing reviews, doing interviews, writing analysis on cinema. He's really good at it. You should you should check it out. Uh, and his in-depth interviews with talent and filmmakers and movie stars. It's really good. And you can find him at Instagram at Blu-ray Dad and Twitter, Preston Barta. And of course, on our other show, Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast, where we just posted The Counselor, which is a distant sequel of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 the son of the lawyer who became a lawyer for the drug cartel. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's good. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm at High Def Digest. I'm at Boomstick Comics Radio Show, Electromagnetic Radio Soundtracks Radio on Wednesdays from noon till two. Uh, you can find us again on Fear and Loathing and Cinema podcast. You can find our friend Susan. Kamiop Stevens and I at No BS with Brian and Susan podcast. Uh, yeah, we're all there. I'm Brian Kluger on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So we love you. Thank you. We'll be back next time with another horror movie on my bloody podcast. We'll see you soon.